0: Good morning! Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, for Patty Millette, it is the hardest part about being a mother. At a certain point, she explains, you just have to let them make their own decisions. And uh, while I uh, imagine that that is a difficult thing for any parent, you've got to imagine that it is particularly difficult for Patty uh, because Patty isn't just any mother. She's the mother of Justin Bieber. See, uh, Justin's rise to fame began a little over a decade ago. He's 13 years old, growing up in Stratford, Ontario, and he competes in a local singing competition. And for many kids his age, uh, that is where his story would end, except all the way back in 2007, his mother posts a video on YouTube. Quite honestly, she's doing what any proud mom would do, and over the next few weeks, she posts several more, and and if you watch them, they're all pretty innocuous, a young boy singing at home. And then one day, a record producer sees them and hires Justin. And uh, as you may know, uh, Justin becomes an overnight success. I mean, he produces album after album, he goes on countless tours, and then he becomes one of the world's best-selling artists. And as you likely imagine, uh, it's a lot to take in if you're his mom. The baby I diapered, she explains, one night after a concert, just played Madison Square Garden and sang to the president. It's crazy. And if you've, uh, if you've followed this pop sensation over the years, you may know how his story goes. I mean, he's successful, unbelievably successful. But his teenage years aren't always filled with the best decisions. And just to give you a couple of examples, the year he turns 19, uh, he eggs a neighbor's house. He assaults a limo driver. He gets arrested for driving under the influence. And, and for his mom, it's difficult. Not naive, uh, she says, I know my son, I know who he is, and I don't always agree with his decisions. But the amazing thing, at least for me, is that while she doesn't always agree, she also doesn't let them get into the way. Some people, she continues, uh, go into the entertainment industry with these amazing roots, but they, they just get influenced. And as she speaks, she speaks as someone with experience. See, she was a a child star herself. I got in with the wrong crowd, ended up stealing and and dealing drugs, and at 17, I almost took my own life after a bout of depression. And so she's been there before. She gets it. And that's why when she thinks about her son, she knows what his world is like. She knows that at, at 19, sometimes, you just have to let them make their own decisions, and she knows that she can't always be there for him. And so in situations like these, what does she do? She prays. If Justin is struggling, she tells a reporter, I don't kick him when he's down. I don't condemn him. I pray for him. And in many ways, I think that that is the same story that we hear today. It's the story of the one who, who just like Patty, doesn't kick us when we're down. It's the story of the one who, just like Patty, doesn't condemn us. And it's the story of the one who, just like Patty, prays because he loves us and he cares for us, just like this mother loves and cares for her son. This uh, brings us to our reading from John chapter 17. And, and quite honestly, it's a, it's a rather strange place to find ourselves uh, you know, several weeks, more than a month after Easter, because as the curtain rises on this reading, we find ourselves all the way back in Holy Week. See, it's Thursday night, Passover. Jesus gathers in the upper room, bread is broken, a meal is shared. He washes His disciples' feet, tells them, this is what love looks like. And as the night unfolds, what his disciples discover is that it is going to be their last night together. It's the eve of the crucifixion. And and while they don't completely get it, uh, they don't always do, Jesus still goes to work. He still prepares their hearts and their minds for this troubling scene that's about to come. And uh, scholars who have studied today's passage and those around it, uh, they call this section of John's Gospel, Jesus' Farewell Discourse. You see, it's a, it's a series of chapters in which Jesus prepares his disciples. It starts with, with dialogue, then it becomes monologue, and then it concludes today uh, with this prayer. And so it begins all the way back in John chapter 13. Uh, Jesus enters into this conversation with his disciples as he, as he talks with them about what's going to happen over the next few days. And then in John chapter 14, that dialogue morphs into a monologue, an address. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That's what Jesus tells His disciples. And then He says that that the Father is going to send another, the Holy Spirit, so they won't be alone. And then as the curtain rises in John chapter 17, as we, we move into today's reading, Jesus gathers in the garden of Gethsemane. He looks up to heaven and he prays to the Father, my hour has come. And you know, you, you just heard it. It's, it's a powerful prayer. But you also got to admit, it's, it's a little challenging to follow. I mean, there's all this talk about you and me, mine and yours. And so as, as we unpack this prayer of Jesus, uh, a prayer for His disciples, in a prayer that's also meant for us, I want to tease out three very important things that Jesus speaks into our lives. Three very important things. So the first thing uh, that Jesus does is that, that He recognizes the world is a difficult place. And it may seem like a, a rather obvious thing to say, but, but I think it's absolutely critical that He does. Because he knows that that when he goes away, when he he leaves his disciples behind, it's going to be hard. He knows the world's filled with, with pain and hurt, trouble and conflict. And then for this one brief moment, about 2,000 years ago, God appeared in Jesus and did some very tangible, visible things about it. But now he's leaving. And instead of lying about what's going to happen, instead of, sugarcoating what's going to happen. Jesus is simply honest. In the world, you're going to have trouble. It's going to be a difficult place. That brings us uh, to the second very important thing that Jesus speaks to his disciples and and also to us. And this is the message that Jesus doesn't promise to get rid of life's problems. And, And this part is also really difficult. I mean, it's not it's not the message that I want to hear. I mean, it's uh, why this reading has one of the most heart-wrenching passages uh, that I know of in all of the Scriptures. You know, Jesus is leaving. He looks up to heaven, he prays to the Father, he says, my prayer isn't to take them out of the world. It isn't to get rid of life's problems. And, and whether you're one of Jesus' disciples or, or one of us, I mean, it, it's a little disappointing. I mean, I want to hear that, that the cancer doesn't happen. I want to hear that, that natural disasters don't occur. I want to hear that, that marriages don't fall apart, that, that jobs don't get lost, that friendships don't get ruined, that God will take us out of the world. But right now, we discover that God has a different plan for us. Two very hard things. Two very important things. But then there's this third and final thing uh, that Jesus speaks to us. It's it's the thing I want you to remember today. You see, Jesus is praying for you. so easy to hear this passage and and just uh, look at the immediate context that Jesus is praying for His disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, But at the end of that passage, He says, I'm not just praying for them. But I'm praying for all the people who will believe in me because of them. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, 2,000 years ago, prayed for you. This spring at Common Ground, I'm uh, teaching a course, and uh, I'm calling it Tough Questions. Tough questions uh, that people ask Christians about their faith, and so we're we're exploring questions like, uh, you know, why does God answer some prayers and not others? Or uh, does God really want me to belong to a church? Or, or most recently, you know, why does God allow suffering in the world? And, you know, rather than present uh, all the right answers to these questions as if, uh, you know, there's really right answers to these very simple questions, uh, they're tough questions. Instead, I'm uh, I'm presenting what different Christians have have said over the years about uh, things like this as they've wrestled with these very challenging situations in their lives. And a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, was struck uh, by something that uh, we read together. You see, two days after a gunman enters a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, kills two people, injures 50 more. Elise Strobel, you may know, uh, a well-known author, a local pastor in Colorado, he preached a sermon about why would God let something like this happen? Think about it. Why would God let something like that happen? And we could talk about his uh, sermon all morning uh, but there were two things that really struck me on um, what he had to say. Is where he starts, and it's where he, where he ends. He starts with a, a very simple confession. He asks the question, why would God allow something like this to happen? And then he makes this very simple confession, four little words. I honestly don't know. You know, sometimes I think that's the best answer that we can give as Christians. I mean, we don't know why God doesn't get rid of our problems. I mean, we know that he doesn't cause them. We know that he doesn't like them. We know that he doesn't even waste them. That that sometimes he can use some of the worst things in the world to bring about some good. But why does God let them happen? I honestly don't know. That's why I love where uh, Lee Strobel concludes this sermon, because even though the world is a difficult place, even though uh, God doesn't get rid of our problems, He does do something about them. He sends us His Son. Or as Strobel says as he uh, concludes his remarks that morning, uh, He gives us peace to deal with the present and courage to deal with the future. And I think that's why Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 actually changes everything about the way we see our lives. Because in the midst of all of life's problems, in the midst of of everything that we experience, all the challenges we face, Jesus prays for us. And so on today, in the midst of the rain and Mother's Day, Jesus looks at you and He asks, how do you need me to pray to the Father? How do you need me to ask for his help? Because, you know, I've been where you've been. I I know what it's like. And and I'm not going to kick you when you're down. I'm not going to condemn you for what you've done. Instead, right now, I am praying to the Father, protect them. Protect them from the evil one. Now, five years ago, um, Patty Millette, Justin's mom, released a book. She called it uh, Nowhere But Up, and it, and it details some of the more difficult experiences that she went through growing up. I've spent most of my adult life, she writes in the first chapter, sifting through the tangled web of emotional wounds and debris left by the darkness in my childhood. And, and when you get to know this book, you get to know her, you discover it was an incredibly dark childhood. I mean. Uh, An older sibling lost her life uh, shortly before her birth, and then as she grew up, there was sexual abuse by by countless men. And then at 17, she attempted suicide. And it it was shortly after that very difficult time in her life that she becomes a Christian. She gives birth to a son. And what I find so interesting is uh, that ever since his rise to fame, She's been praying for Justin. But she explains, you know, I, I haven't been praying for his success. I've been praying for his protection because I know what the world is like. And the thing we discover uh, today is that that is exactly the same kind of way that Jesus is praying for every one of you. It doesn't mean that the world is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that, that you won't face trials and temptation. It doesn't mean that, that things are always going to go your way. But the powerful thing is, is that in the midst of it all, today, tomorrow, the rest of this week, the rest of your life, Jesus is praying for you. And it's because He loves you. And He cares for you just like this mother loves and cares for her son. Amen. And I may the peace of God who surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.